But I remember, you know, talking to Jordan and saying, you know, we have this amazing opportunity to, to share something from the Bible to these kids who come from these broken homes. You know, what in the world are we going to share? And what do they desperately need to hear? I think that was the first question. What do they desperately need to hear? And the second question is, what can we share with them that they've never heard before? And then pretty quickly we realize it's really hard to do both. So let's just try to do one. And sharing something new is not as important as sharing something they desperately need to hear. And we felt that what they desperately needed to hear was the same message that everyone in this room desperately needs to hear. And so we go to Luke 15. And so you can go ahead and turn your Bibles to Luke 15. It's the story of the prodigal son. Now, I imagine that 90% of the people in this room have probably heard that story. Some people are from Nebraska, Davis. And the last time I went there, we were talking about the prodigal son. I realized I that, I got that, right? But, but here's the thing I'm convinced that what you need this moment desperately is not something new. I'm convinced that what you need is actually to go deeper with the whole. And I'll, I'll tell you a reason why. And this is, this is for me personally. For some reason, really knowing how much God loves you doesn't come easy to me. Now, I, I know you're, you're a little bit surprised. You're like, well, Andrew, you're a pastor. You know, <laughs> we would be thinking that it would come easy for you, and this is just my my true articulation. Me loving God by His grace has come easy for me in a certain way, but me really understanding His love for me hasn't come easy. It hasn't come easy. Now, I'm telling you, I've grown a lot. I've grown a lot in knowing God's love. But sometimes I default to this um, distant, kind of reserved, almost like a distant, reserved Asian father who crosses his arms and, and is kind of waiting for you to do something good so he can say good job. I don't know about you, but that articulation of God doesn't really stir my affection. And so sometimes I can struggle with this. And what I love about Luke 15 is that here is the true expression of God. And this is a God not just worthy of respect, but a God that is worthy of being crazy about. And that's, that's why we need uh, this, this parable that, gives us, that Jesus gives us so desperately. And so the parable starts with a younger son, and he lives at home with his father. And there's an older brother, of course. But he's in the home, and he's not really happy at home. He's not feeling it. And so he comes to his father with this outlandish request, Give me my share of the inheritance. Now, this is not a culturally unique phenomenon. I think in any culture, whether it be in our culture, or in Nicaragua, or in China, it's pretty universal. When a father comes, when a son comes up to this father and says, give me my inheritance, it's basically this total insult that's saying, Normally, people wait for you to die, and then you give me the inheritance, but I just want to be real, I don't want to wait for you to die. I just want my inheritance now. Now, I realize that there's kids around this, so 
I just imagine, like, if you got a dad at home this morning, your dad, when he saw you, he probably said something like, good morning, right? You got a, you got a dad like that who said good morning this morning, right? Raise your hands. I know they said something like that, right? Now, what if you were thinking about just going to this toy store, and so you just were really honest, you said, Dad, this morning, I really have no care to greet you in work. What I want from you is just take me to the toy store. Now, how many of you would have dads be like, oh, you know, I mean, how would you respond to that? Right? Whatever culture, it's, it's rude and it's offensive. It's basically saying, Dad, I don't care about you. I don't care about this relationship we have going. What do I care about is your stuff. I don't want you. I want your stuff. Dad, give me my inheritance. And then when he receives the inheritance, what does he do? He takes, he takes them all. He doesn't want anything to do with this father and living by the father's rules. Now, I'm, I'm wondering if you can kind of relate to this kid, you know? Uh, there's a house, there's a father in the house, we're in the house, but we don't really appreciate the father that much. We don't really cherish his love. We're here, we're just kind of wow, team, you know? And it's either we don't really know that he loves us, or we do know that he loves us, but we don't care that much. You know, we're like into the other thing. It doesn't mean that much to us. And so in a certain kind of way, we're here and we want the stuff. We don't really want the Father. I'm just wondering if anyone can relate to that this morning. Now, how many of you, this is, this is loosely related, how many of you can relate to being something that uh, I call emotionally delayed? I know we're referring to this emotionally challenged. There's a not very PC way of saying that, but emotionally delayed. How many of you are here are like a man? Okay, let me ask the question again. How many of you are like emotionally delayed? Okay. Okay, I, I, I am one. I'll be in the airport with Raina. We'll say goodbye to our loved ones. Raina is a mess of tears. And I'm like, I'm like Spock from Star Trek. You know, I'm like, uh, you know, and then what happens to me is, you know, I'm not doing anything, right? And then a couple days later, like, wow, these people are really glad they're gone. I'm kind of sad. You know, but it's two days later, right? Right? And so, what is, what? So this has been my history. I'll, I'll tell you guys a little story. Uh, there was one time in my childhood, I was about, uh, uh, I was probably 11 years old. My mom bought something that, that, I, that I was just really crazy about. She bought something she doesn't normally buy. She bought these Oreo cookies. Now to an 11 year old who doesn't get that a lot, this was a really big treat. And what I discovered, because my brother taught me to could dunk them in milk, and then they would just dissolve in your mouth. It was just so good. And I was, I was eating as much as I can, and I was just kind of savoring and rationing the rest of the container. Remember that really big flat container, that three rows, right? And so I was really thinking about Oreo cookies, and I was in school, and I was coming home. And the moment I come home, my mom, who was looking devastated, she broke the news to me that my father had died. And again, I was, I was 11, 12 years old, and I was looking at my mom, and my, my father was diagnosed with brain cancer maybe about a year ago. You know, and I look at my mom. And I'm just, uh, <laughs> you know what I was thinking about? I was thinking about the Oreo cookies. And so I poured a glass of milk and I went to the table and I took the order and I dumped it in the milk and I was eating it. And I was, I was thinking, I'm supposed to 
really feel sad about and try to cry, but I wasn't crying, and I was the Oreos were really good, you know, and they were dissolving in my mouth, and, and I was there at the table just going, what is wrong with me? What's wrong with me? My father just died. And all I can think about are the Oreo cookies and how good they were. And this memory has haunted me. It's haunted me. I was talking about it to my brother and like, that's what I was thinking. He's like, that's what you were thinking? Why am I not more broken up of the passing of my father? And I'm just wondering if there are people here and you kind of feel emotionally delayed. You're like, I'm in God's house. God's in the house. He loves me. And you know something? I don't even care. Why am I not more happy to be in God's love than I am right now? I'll give you one example, and I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from anybody, okay? But you guys ever go to like a worship service, and then they sing that song from the theories, you know? I can sing of your love forever. And then there's this one line, and I hate this line, but this line goes, And we'll be dancing, but I'm not we're dancing now. Right? You guys know that line, right? And then you look around the room, and no one's dancing, you're not dancing, you're like, this is embarrassing. Why am I singing? Like, I should. We should change the line of that song. You know, we'll be standing in a reserved way. Like we're standing in a reserved way now. Yeah. Woo! You know, and there's there's this thing like, why am I not more excited to be here? And it should be the most exciting. And this kid was at home with this father and all the resources of the father, and he's like, I don't want a father. I just want you to stop. I'm not really excited to be here. And your love, honestly, doesn't mean that much to me. I'm much more into other stuff. And that is the kid here. And I'm wondering if you can relate to the kid. I can relate to being this kid. And there's this feeling, well, what's wrong with us? Something's wrong here. Well, why is this not happening? And so the kid says this to this father, he's, he's, he's honest. I don't want to be dead. I don't want you, I want your stuff. Just give your stuff, and I'm just going to leave. And he left. Now the father tears apart his life. He sells the, the very thing that's the embodiment of his livelihood. He sells his property, he sells his land. He, gives, he sells one third and he gives that to the younger son. Now I, I want to, okay, this is the next movement in the parable. What you see happening here through this parable that Jesus is starting to redefine sin. Now let me explain what that means. The younger son takes the money and he does a lot of awful sins. And if you were to sit here and compile a list of all the bad things the younger son does, it would be pretty lengthy. Like what does he do? He squanders the money, right? What does he do? He, he, there's women, he commits adultery. He probably gets drunk a lot. And then not to mention the sins of the heart, he was ungrateful, he was lustful, he was hedonistic, he was idolatrous, pretty big list of sins, right? But here in this story, Jesus is redefining sin. Why? How does he redefine sin? Because there's a second brother, and the second brother doesn't do any of these things. In fact, the second brother in his argument is all he goes, look, I've slaved you all these years, I'm hardworking, and I've never done anything to, to, I've never broken any of your commands. 
And the father doesn't argue with him. So I'm going to let it know, son. Remember, you didn't think you were He just kind of agrees. Yeah, I guess you have. So here's his older son obeying all the commands, and he's just as lost. It's like argument, but he's probably even more lost because the younger son actually comes home. The older son, we don't know what happens at the end. He's still lost. One is lost in his badness. The other one is lost in his goodness. Now I'm just wondering if there are people here, and faith to you is I keep the rules, but you know something? God's love doesn't mean that much to me. I can justify my existence here because I follow the rules, but there's no real love for the Father. I'm not really, really excited when you sing about his love. And then Jesus said, look, they're both lost. You can be really lost breaking all the rules. But you can be really lost keeping all the rules and trying to justify yourself as well. Okay, so, so help us out here. What do we need? Okay, well, let's keep on, let's keep on going. The son, the younger son, he comes to his senses. He goes, what am I doing in this pigsty? Just longing to fill my stomach with these pods and these dirty pigs. What am I doing here when even the servant in my father's house had it so much better than I have right here? And so he decided, I'm going to go home. I'm going to fall on my knees. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to apologize to my dad and say, please, please take me back to one of your, one of your hired servants. Now, again, Maybe you've heard the story. I mean, keep, keep a clean heart here. This next part, the culmination of the story, I suppose, is revolutionary. Nothing short of revolutionary. Have a fresh heart to see how amazing it is. I, I asked the kids in the orphanage, I said, okay, what would a Nicaraguan father do? Okay, number one, the son says, I don't want anything to do with you. I just want your money. He takes the money, squires it, does everything the father taught him not to do. And then have the audacity to come back home and say, oh, can you take me back again? Give me, my, give me some of my stuff, please. Let me earn it at least. You know? What would a Nicaraguan father do? You know what they said to me? Because I'm still very anti-climatic. They said, well, it kind of depends on his relationship with that. You know, I'm like, oh, man, you're, 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 you're you know, I'm losing my, my thunder here. But, but then I said, but I said, you know, okay, you're not, but in China, if this were to happen, a father would lose tremendous face. A proud Asian dad would just, you know, to, to quote Bruce Lee, you have offended me and you have offended the Shaolin Temple. I mean, you, 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 you have brought me so much disgrace. Uh, okay, let me put it like this. Let me put it like this. Um, so I can count on uh, one hand the number of times my father expressed his love for me. Actually, I can count on two fingers to be honest with you. And I've already shared these stories because they're not really that many. And so I've shared the story with you before. But there was a time when my mom and my dad they were picking curtains, pulling out, they were picking curtains, and, and they couldn't decide. And so I was with them, and they they, they said, let's have Andrew be the tiebreaker. So so my dad would narrow the options, this curtain, this curtain, and I would say, this curtain. And that was the curtain that he liked. And so he got really happy. He said, oh yeah, what about this one? And he did this curtain or this curtain. And I said, uh, that one. And that was the one he liked. You know what he did next? He picked me up and he twirled me around and he said, this is my son. Woo! And I was like terrified. You know, like, this is weird. This never happens. 
was so weird that you'll never guess what was going on in my mind. I was terrified because what if the next round of choices, I chose the curtain that he did not like. That's what I was thinking. Sure enough, he put me down, you see this curtain or this curtain, and I chose the curtain that he didn't like. And all the love just stopped. He was gone. And he said, never mind, I'll work this out one. <laughs> you know? Fundamentally, the human heart wants to know when I fail, when I'm bankrupt, when I have not lived, lived according to that standard, how will God receive When I really haven't done my quiet times as I should, and then I show up, how, how, how will God address me? What will he say? Now, I, I want to say this. This makes the story even richer, okay? I've got to illustrate this. I know there are kids in our midst that love illustrations, so let's just illustrate this. I've I, I probably said this point before, but this, this part of the story really melts my heart. One thing that you need to understand in this ancient culture is something culturally understood about men. Okay, now this guy is not just an ordinary man. This is a man of great estate. He had noble stature. Okay, how do I know this? He's got a lot of property. You got a lot of property. You have servants. You have hired servants. You have sons, daughters, aunties, uncles. But this is the great patriarch. He is a man of great and noble estate. Now, something you should know about the time back then is that when men of great and noble estate want to go from point A to point B. One thing they do, and I really need to illustrate this because this is revolutionary stuff, going from point A to where they call it is, you know what they do? They walk. They might even strut a little bit, but they, they walk, right? Now what happens if there's an urgency and they want to go from point A to point B, but they want to go in a, in a faster pace, what do they do? They walk a little faster. That's what they, they walk a little faster. Maybe they speed walk, but they're composed. They're regal. You guys are really seeing the, 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 the poise here. The, the walking. Now, one thing in this culture, men of great estate do not run. They don't run. It's, it's a little bit sexist here. Women can run. Children can run. But great men do not run. Come on. It's in that code of the great men, great man code. Now, here is his father. And he got a, I mean, he's old, so he's not going to be running like an Olympic athlete, but he's running. He's, you know, he's, I mean, you've got to fix this into your head. He's getting there as fast as he can. You know, he's got these ropes, and he's, he's running because he loves his son. This is unbelievable love. Now, listen, I understand if the kid comes into your field, I think the, 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 the natural response is you turn back. But who would have even imagined a God that would walk or speed walk? But Jesus is telling us, do you understand? God runs. I, but the, the son comes and I got nothing. I got nothing to give you. I haven't been faithful to you. 
I haven't lived according to your standards. In so many ways, I've broken your heart. How are you going to see this? God runs to you. Do you see that? So let me ask you something. When you go into your quiet time, quote unquote, your, your time of prayer to God, maybe it happens on a daily basis, not maybe, maybe not, but when you go, what's your image of God? Do you have a God who's distant and reserved, waiting for you to do something to earn it? And then he says, good boy. Or if you got a God that runs to you, and, and Jesus is saying, you know, if you understand God who runs to you, then all these affections are stirred for God. You know, it's like, you know, I'm here in church, and I'm not feeling it. I'm not that excited to sing. Well, if you understand this God who runs to you, in your moral bankruptcy, something is stirred. You start to realize how amazing you have this God. And all of us have we, 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 we've done things that we're ashamed of. You know, we, we haven't lived according to the way that we imagine Christians should be living. And there's some shame around that. What happens when you come to God? Do you have this understanding of God who runs to you? And when you do, I mean, imagine the Lord all sudden next day. It was not like the way it was before. His heart has changed. His world has just been melted. Now he wants to do all those things that his father taught him to do. But he's not trying to earn his father's love. It's a friend. Now, what do we do if we're in this place where it's like, you know, Pastor Andrew, I can relate to being in the house, but not really caring all that much about God. I think there's two things that we can do. I want to just be really practical for a couple seconds. One thing that we can do is we can spend ample amount of time meditating on the love of God. Some of you are like me. You have a background where your followers maybe kind of limited or conditional in his expression of love to you, or your, or your mother was that way. My mom wasn't that way, but my dad, yeah. And I took all that and I transferred it all to God. And God is reparenting me. And one thing that I can do to help that process is to meditate on God's love. I, I, I came back from my sabbatical, and during my sabbatical, there were times where I was kind of disappointed. I was expecting like these long, you know, amazing prayer times to God, you know? And I did have quiet times, but they weren't necessarily long or amazing. And I was kind of disappointed, like, man, I don't feel very strong. And then I was talking to my mentor, and he, he was one of my mentors, and he said, listen, your delight in God is fueled by your understanding of His delight if you know this father who runs, he throws the rope around you, puts the ring on your finger, the best, you know, the sandals on your feet. If you know God's heart like that, then you can't help but love him back and love him intensely and be crazy about him. 
So that's, that's what I've been doing. You know, I've come back from my sabbatical, and I'll actually, during the day, during my quiet time, I will start by thinking about this God who runs to me, and then I'm meditating on this one verse from Ephesians chapter 2 that talks about how God looks to each one of us as his inheritance, and I mean, just, just like, God right now is yearning and looking at me like his inheritance, like he, he wants me that badly, and then suddenly my responsible and all these affections get struck for God. Then my mind quiet time starts going. Spending time meditating on that love, being immersed in that love, being satisfied in that love. And what is the expression of that love? The ultimate expression of God running to us is seen through Jesus Christ coming down to earth and dying on a cross to pay the ultimate penalty for our sins. For a man of great estate to run to his son is unheard of. For God of the universe to come down and die for his children is even more unheard of. That's crazy. And that is the God that we have. This amazing God who runs. Now here's my second advice to you. The first one was meditate on his love. Do it, you know, at the beginning of your prayer time to him. Do it throughout the day. Just go, at this moment, my word. You mean God runs to me? He's that kind of God? You mean, oh, even you know, on my work, I'm like with on and the staff. You mean like right now, at this moment, God is, is desiring me as his great inheritance? Me? Really? Wow. Then your emotions and your affections start to, start to get stirred. Well, here's the second tip that I have for you. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the love of the Father to you. Because did you actually know that that is the role of the Holy Spirit? Galatians chapter 4, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, and by that Spirit we cry out the Father. By that Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And so I think it would be really smart for us to say, well, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He reveals the love of the Father. Then I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the love of the Father to me. And that is a very biblical experience. So what do you say if you take a risk right now and we invite the Holy Spirit? This is this scary? It's not scary. We invite the Holy Spirit to come and reveal the love of God to us. To see that image of God running to us, even when we've done nothing to deserve it. What do you say we respond? Now, what I'd like you to do is I'd like to invite everyone to stand up. And don't worry, we're still going to baptize Jennifer and David today. I mean, the, the, the best is still coming. Or maybe this might actually be one of the best parts of this, of this morning. And what I'd like you to do is just close your eyes. I, I want you to know that this is what I did with the Nicaraguan boys, you know. And I had everyone close their eyes. I didn't have everyone here close their eyes, you know. Um, and I'm going to close my eyes too, because I, I, don't, I don't want, you know, this to be about anything about me needing to watch this. The only person that's watching you right now is God. And what I'd like to invite you to do is, if you would like to invite the Holy Spirit to reveal the love of God to you. I don't, I'm not saying that it's necessarily now. Maybe it's this week. I don't know. Maybe it's, it's later this month. But to reveal the love of God to you in a real, personal, amazing way. And what I want you to do is just to raise your hands. Just, 
I'm not like you, you raise your hands to a teacher, but raise your hands to your chest with open hands, like God's going to give you something. And again, I'm not watching you, I'm not feeling, you know, anything by me seeing you do this. This is between you and God. This is your way of saying, I am in your house, and I want to cherish your love. I want your love to be, to be revealed to me, and that I might love it more than I love it. So if that's you, you'd be like, yeah, that's what I want. That's what I want. Or at least I want to want that. But just raise your hand to your chest. I'm not watching. It's just between you and God. And then no one watching even after you put your hands down. It's between you and God. And if that's you, then then um, I'm going to pray for you. And I'm just going to pray just just along the lines of what we've been talking about. We're going to, we're going to pray. Follow God. You sent the Holy Spirit to us, and He is the great comforter, the helper, and the enabler. We cannot know the love of God without your spirit. And so we ask for your spirit now to reveal the love of God to us. Because that's what we desperately need. <laughs> Many of us, we know God loves us in our head, but it hasn't really sunk into our hearts. It hasn't come to define us. We're defined by other things, but not your love. Holy Spirit, would you help us to get lost in that love? And would you help us to get found in that love? Would you make the love of God real to us? I pray that that image of the Father running would be blazing into our minds. That when we are bankrupt, that we have nothing to offer, we would remember this image of God running to us, and that would be the basis of our love after God. This God who is so bold and courageous in loving us and sending his only son to die for us and our affections might be stirred. Holy Spirit, would you be working in our hearts individually and collectively to make us people born of God with a whole outlook on life that's different. Gratitude, thanksgiving, joy, praise, knowing that God runs to us and has given up everything through his son on the cross to pay for our purpose. Now you guys can put your hands down. And we pray for all these things to be amazing and powerful in the Jesus Christ name. You guys can take a seat.